Well, today we're going to talk about fathers. In fact, uh, today's message is really three parts. I want to talk a little bit about what it means to honor our parents or honor our fathers. And I want to talk a little bit about after that, what happens when maybe those relationships with dads weren't as great as we thought or had hoped they would be. And lastly, I want to give some words of wisdom to, to the men who are fathers um, on ways in which you can be a huge influence in the life of not only your children or grandchildren, but, but also of uh, young men and women, kids everywhere. So I want to begin today with really one of the Ten Commandments, and it goes like this. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you'll live a long time in the land that God, your God, is giving to you. Now, the word honor that's written here is the Hebrew word kavad, which means weighty. It means heaviness. It means something that, that carries weight to it. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, hey, ask our parents to step on a scale and see how heavy they are. No, no, it talks about respect, and it talks a, a lot about a weightiness. When something has weight to it, we would say today it has merit or it has value or it, or it has something of great worth. So that's really what the writers are saying when they give us this commandment. Now notice where it says, honor your father and mother. Notice it doesn't say love your father and mother. So honor really is the key word uh, that the writers of scripture are trying to get us to focus on. Now, love your mother and father. I mean, Jesus, the Bible tells us all throughout the scriptures, uh, old and new, that we're supposed to love one another. So love is kind of a given, a component that we hold on to, but honor is the key. So the opposite of the Hebrew word um, of honor is dula, and dula means to be light or to be taken lightly. So the scripture is clear that we are to put weightiness or heaviness or value on the relationship that we have for our mother and father, and we're not supposed to take that relationship lightly. And so heaviness is really better. In fact, the scriptures tell us that, that in growing up, when parents are raising their children, if the children aren't supporting and honoring their parents, it actually could lead to a lot of trouble. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 27. It says, cursed is anyone who dishonors father and mother, and all the people will reply, amen. So if as a child or as a student or a young adult, if you were continuously rebellious to your parent, in the ancient world, that could actually lead to the death penalty. Now, I don't think that that happened a lot. I don't think that, that parents went and dragged their kids or their teenagers, maybe their teenagers, but their kids to the, to the town elders and, and didn't say and complain, look, they're not honoring me, let's put them to death. But I think what the scripture's trying to tell us is the importance and the significance of what this means uh, to hold value and weight for our fathers. Um, as teenagers, many of us butted heads with our dads. I, I, I butted heads with my dad as a teenager, and, and maybe uh, some of you can recall uh, where you might have done that too. And I think part of that is, is where we're trying to really figure out who we are. We don't think that we're children, we're not yet adults, and so we're, we're kind of going through that phase where we're uh, differentiating a bit. We're trying to kind of, you know, see what the boundaries are, who we are, what we can and can't be, and how far and what can we get away with. So that happens a lot. Now, while that's happening as we're self-differentiating, we're also seeing that our dads are noticing that we're not the little kids that need to learn from them all the time anymore and that their that they're wisdom and all that sometimes we're gonna push against that. So, so dads have some challenges too during those times of childhood and adolescence in dealing with the family. 
Now, some of us, when, when our dads laid down the rules, so to speak, like curfews, anybody have a curfew when they were growing up? Okay. So curfews or, you know, this is the way that we have our family dynamics. This is how you respond to people. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Whatever the case may be. Some of us accepted that, and some of us, we kind of rebelled against that because we were kind of like, wait a minute now, why are you putting rules in my life? And maybe it wasn't something we really wanted. So some of us pushed back in those moments as well. So looking back in my life, when I was growing up, my dad worked um, probably 14, 15-hour days. He worked for a, a Fortune 500 company in Orlando, and uh, he was in a managerial position. And, and so dad put a lot of hours in, so it was, it was probably common that most mornings before I even got up, he was gone. And he would come home late at night after a grueling day. And um, you know, so sometimes you know, when you're growing up, you, you kind of wonder uh, how, how involved or how often or how much time your parents spend with you. And when you're a kid, at least when I was a kid, I didn't put two and two together that it wasn't like my dad wanted to be away from us, but he was working hard and really, really doing everything that he could to support a family of six at that time. So that would have been my mother and my three brothers and me, so there were six of us. So, so there were moments in those times that I didn't really understand uh, what was going on. So when dad would come home at night, he'd be tired. He wouldn't have a whole lot of energy. And, and, and you know, it's kind of like one of those things like, hey, we're raring to go. And he's just like, look, I just kind of want to chill. And then the nonstop phone calls from the office would come well late into the night. And I really don't know how he ever did that or how he managed that. I, I, I remember that life was stressful for my dad. And I remember that, that um, there, there were times that he just didn't get a whole lot of sleep. And I also look back and understand and realize I was a little brat a lot during that time. That, that I, you know, I wanted the shoes that the other kids had. I wanted to go to the sports camps that the other kids had. And I was kind of always demanding things from my father. And, and when he wasn't able or when he felt that wisdom was that he didn't want to give that to me just because there were other things that were priorities of the family, I just didn't ever want to give him a second chance. And so I, uh, as, a, as a young boy, you know, I wrestled with that and I wasn't really sure what that was like. And here's what I had forgotten. I had forgotten my dad was a human being. I forgot that my dad needed encouragement. I forgot that my dad needed his love for me. I forgot that, that, that uh, the sacrifices that he was making for all of us. And see, as we mature, um, our role with our parents change. And, and for many of us, our parents are older now. And with uh, longevity, our parents are living later in years. And so, um, so my mom and dad are in their mid-80s, and, and our roles have changed now. Instead of them taking care of me or them ministering to me, the role has changed, and I'm now to take care of them. I'm now to minister to them. So when you're young, you don't see those things, but as you get older, you do. So I was thinking a little bit about this, and, and Patty and I, we have two adult daughters, 34 and 32. I know, I look young, you can't, but anyway. But we, uh, she looks younger, but, but um, so, so we, we have adult daughters, 34 and 32, and, and I was thinking about what are the things that I want to hear my daughters say to me? Not just on Father's Day, but what are the things that I, I want my daughters to hear? But more importantly, what are the things I need them to say as their father? What are the things that will warm my heart? And I, I kind of came up with four of those, and the first thing that I, I want to hear from my daughters is thank you. You know, thank you for 
for the life that you gave me. Thank you for all that you poured into and invested in me through the years. You know, thank you is, is a wonderful thing to hear. I, I, I love it when I hear them say, Dad, I love you. And that just really warms my heart to know that, that they love me back. And, I, and I, uh, I love to hear the words, you matter to me. You know, um, we're all chasing so many things in the world today. And what I mean by that is we're chasing careers, we're chasing parenthood, we're chasing this and that. But, but to be able to hear my daughters say, Dad, you matter to me, just really, really helps completely, complete me. And the last thing that I love to hear is, hey, you want to hang out? I mean, how many kids want to hang out with their parents today? Uh, mine, at least they tell me. They, they still like to hang out with me, and I love to hang out with them. So when I hear those things, those are the kinds of things that minister to me. Those are the kinds of things that make sense. And I want to encourage you that if, you, if your fathers are still alive, I want to encourage you as their child, as their adult child, to reach out to them and to maybe use some of those same words. Tell them that they matter. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that, that, um, that you're thankful. Tell them you want to hang with them. And if you can't hang with them, hang with them as often as you can. That's what it means to honor Kavad. Let me, let me shift gears. So here, here we're kind of in part two now. So I want to shift gears, and, and I want to talk about what do you do if your parents, or let's say in this case, what, what do you do when your fathers weren't honorable to you, okay? So as preachers, we recognize that Mother's Day and Father's Day are probably the two hardest Sundays to have a sermon for. Because we understand that when we're speaking to a room and when we're speaking online, when, when people see our messages on the internet and wherever that may be, we recognize is that there's multiple things that people feel toward their parents, toward their moms and toward their dads. And we recognize that not everybody uh, like, like me was blessed with a great childhood or, or, or um, that there were challenges there. So let me just share with you some things today that I hope will give you some hope. So what do you do or what happens when, uh, when your father didn't show you the kind of care that a father was supposed to? What happens when, when you feel that, that your dad missed the mark um, and your dad wasn't there? So not long ago, I was talking to, um, to a person and, and she was sharing with me a little bit about her life. And she had told me that at the age of 13, um, she was learning that her dad was an addict. He was actually a heroin addict. So at the age of 13, she was beginning to see a lot of the messiness that existed in the home, that, and, and, and her dad just was not as connected with her as she had hoped. In fact, on her 13th birthday, he had signed over his parental rights to his sister, her aunt, and he told his daughter before he walked out the door, he said to her, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't be your father. I can't be a father anymore. I'm leaving, and he walked out the door. And she said to me, she said, all of the hurt and all of those things, especially like as kids, when, when, when our parents attend those events when we're growing up, you know, they're silly events, but, but boy, they're there and, they, and, they, and we love that. And she said, I never got to experience any of that and, and my father just wasn't a dad to me. Well, years later, she met a friend and the friend basically introduced her into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And she began to learn about forgiveness. She began to learn about grace. She began to learn about understanding. And a point in time came in her life where she recognized that she could actually forgive her father for his inability to be her father. 
and she was able to let it go. Now, the interesting part was about that same time that she had a friend introduce her to Christ, her father had somebody introduce him to Christ. And he began his life in Jesus at that particular same time. And she shared with me, she said, at the age of 30, I was able to connect with my dad for five years before he had a massive heart attack and died. And it was the greatest five years of my life. And we were able to talk and to share and to forgive and to restore. And that's a part of this relationship of, of honoring. We wanna honor our parent. And, and I wanna encourage you today that, that if you find yourself in one of those um, situations with your dad that, that you feel like it's not a good situation, I wanna encourage you to really be thinking about how you can move forward with some sense of forgiveness. And forgiveness means that, that you set yourself free from being a prisoner of whatever's been holding you back and that you will allow yourself uh, to live life again. But, but what about the extremes? What happens, when, what happens when, when fathers abandon their children? What happens when fathers abuse their children, whether it's verbally or sexually or physically? What happens in those situations and what do we do? And how do we reconcile that to the scripture where it says, honor your father? And you're thinking about, wait a minute, I, I went through all of that. How am I supposed to honor that? Let me share with you this. When the writers wrote that scripture, when that, when that was given, the assumption was made, when that commandment came, the assumption was made that fathers were going to love their children, that fathers were going to do their best in taking steps to lead their children and to nurture them and to care for them. So if your father didn't do that, if your father abused you, if your father left you, if your father abandoned you, if your father wreaked that kind of habit, then, then that, that commandment doesn't apply to them because they're not living into the role and the identity that God created for them to have. So, so when you think about how to deal with that, you're able to reconcile that your father wasn't worthy of honor. As hard as that is to say, as hard as that is to hear, but we learn that that's what the scriptures say. So, so what do we do now? So, so now if that's what happened to us, uh, where's the good news in that, right? I mean, what are we supposed to do with that? And I think that, that whenever we are at a point in our life where, where we're struggling with theologically, relationally, or emotionally, what, what do we do with this? I think we always turn to the words of Jesus. And here's what Jesus says in this particular instance. It's, it's out of Luke chapter six. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say this, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Now, when, when our fathers um, have, have abandoned us, if they've harmed us physically, emotionally, uh, sexually, it's hard for us to live, live into even the words of Jesus. And I'm not gonna stand here and say, oh, you just have to forget everything and just accept these words. Because sometimes it's still hard to try to figure out how to love your enemy. It's still hard to try to figure out um, how to do good to those who hate you. It's, it's complex in trying to live into blessing those who curse you. But look at the next one. Jesus says, pray for those who. We can all pray, can't we? We can pray about it and we can, we can turn over whatever's happening in our life and whatever the challenges and the fear and the stress and the distress is, we can give that back to God. 
You see, life isn't a warm and fuzzy. It's not, um, it's not this um, you know, warm and fuzzy feeling. It's actually a dogged journey where we are constantly involved in so many complex things. But there is something that we can do in every circumstance. When we feel let down, when we feel harmed, when we feel hurt, we can pray. And that's what Jesus says in this instance, pray. Look at what Paul says. The apostle says, never pay back evil with more evil. So Paul is saying, if evil is coming at you, do not allow your first response to pour evil back upon them. In fact, James would say that, that whenever we let anger rule in our life, that that causes us to sin. So Paul is saying, never pay back evil with evil, but do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. What do you do in that instance? You turn it over to God. You can't solve it. You can't resolve it, but you give it to God who can and let God be the one who deals with this and resolves it for you. Paul goes on. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, what does he say? He says, feed them. If they're thirsty, he says, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. But don't let evil conquer you, but, let, but conquer evil by doing good. So Paul says that whenever evil is happening against you, do all in your ability through the strength and help of Christ. Do all in your ability to take evil and to you do good in return. And that is the key to moving forward. So all this is, is saying perhaps that, that, that you get to this place where you can return good where there has been evil. And maybe somehow in the face of that, God's healing can begin. So, so we talked about honor we talked about what happens when there isn't honor. And now I wanna, I wanna talk to, to the men specifically and share with you some words about what do we do as men and how do we live a godly life as men? And what is our role as a godly role as men in the world? So, so let's look at the godly role of fathers. Here's the first one. Avoid exasperating your kids. Notice it says kids. It doesn't say teenagers. We can pick on them. No, it says avoid exasperating your kids, okay? Fathers, Paul writes, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up uh, under the training and instruction of the Lord. The message translation puts it this way. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them, but take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Look, being a parent is a hard job. Whether you're a mom or whether you're a dad, it is a hard job. But if God grants the man a privilege of being a father, then there is no other role more important in my mind that you should have. Whether it's your biological children or whether you are the spiritual father of someone else, there is no other role more important than that role that God will give you. It says, Look and see it as a privilege. We're called not to come down hard on our children, but we're called to train them. We're called to lead them into the faith. And, and this, is, this is the importance of what it means to being a part of a godly family, of living in the way of Christ. 
So don't exasperate. Here's the second one. Be a cheerleader. Be a cheerleader, okay? Colossians 3.21, Paul writes this. He says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Look, the world already comes down hard on our kids. Don't discourage them. Find ways to encourage your children. Whether they are young or whether they're middle-aged, whether they're adults, encourage them. Your role as a father does not stop once your child is conceived in the womb. Your role as a father does not stop once your children become teenagers. Your role as a father continues until you die and then beyond because of something called legacy. So, so Paul says, be a cheerleader. Shower your children with spontaneous approval so that they uh, don't have to earn it or look for it from unhealthy sources. Don't let your kids be influenced by unhealthy sources. You become the healthy source and source your children in the ways of God. So let's go back to Ephesians 6, 4. Another translation says, take them, take your children by the hand and lead them in the way of the Lord. Notice it says, take them by the hand. So it's implying that your children and my children, they don't know the way to God unless we take them by the hand and we lead them there. So it is a hands-on role that, that we have. Listen to this one, give your kids your most precious gift, give them your time. Give them your time. Not one of us in this room can say that I'm not busy. Not one of us in this room can say, I wish uh, I didn't have more time. We all want more time, but the truth is we don't have it. So the question becomes, how are you prioritizing your time? Are you pouring it into your children? Are you pouring it into your family? Let me share with you this story. A, a little boy, um, his dad came home late at night from work and his dad came in and his son came down to greet him and, and he uh, looked at his father and he said, um, he says, dad, I have a question for you. And his father said, sure, what's the question? He said, dad, how much money do you make an hour? And his father was kind of embittered by that. I mean, you know, kid asking his dad, how much do you make an hour? And his dad looked at him and said, well, that's a silly question. Why do you want me to answer that question? He said, I just wanna know how much do you make an hour? And his father said, well, uh, if, if this will kind of like get you quiet, I make $25 an hour. And his son said, okay, and his son went away. And about 30 minutes later, his son comes back in and says, dad, can I have $10? And his father looks at his son and he says, did you wanna know how much money I made an hour just so that you could sponge some cash off of me? You want $10? What are you gonna do, just go buy a video game or something? And, and, and his son just said, well, I." just $10. And his dad said, you need to go back to bed. You just, we'll just talk about this in the morning. Just, just leave. And so the little boy hung his head down. He went upstairs and he tucked himself into his bed. Well, his father began to feel really badly about what he had said to his son. So dad goes up, he sits on the bed, the boy's still awake. He leans into him and he says, listen, I, I shouldn't have said that. You know, here, here's $10. Um, whatever you need it for, here, here you go. And his son reached underneath the pillow and brought out all these crumpled little bills. And he starts unfolding them and he starts putting them out and he starts counting them out. And his dad is irate again. You sponged 10 bucks off of me and you already had all this cash? And his son finished it and he looked at his father and he handed him the money and he said, Daddy, here's $25. Can I just have an hour of your time? 
See, that's what our kids want. They want our time. They know we work hard. They know that we're involved in things, but, but time is the one thing that they want the most. So, so men, look, it, it, it's hard. It's hard living life. It's hard providing for your household. It's hard you know, being, being asked to be in a leadership role of, your, of the spiritual life of, of your family. All those things are hard. I get that. It's all there. But, but you have to come deep down and to know and understand that the greatest gift you've been given is your children, is the kids or the students or the young adults that you are called to pour into, that you are called to make life-changing. Here's the last one, men. Teach your kids to forgive you in the same way that you have forgiven them. Teach them how to forgive. Forgiveness is not something that people just learn. They learn because it's been demonstrated. Whenever I do premarital counseling for couples wanting to get married or, or if I'm doing some counseling because a couple's having trouble in their marriage, one of the things we always talk about is how do you deal with anger? How do you communicate? Uh, how often are you angry with each other? And how do you deal with that? And I always get weary when the couples will say, well, we never fight. We haven't fought in 50 years of marriage. You're not being honest. I believe I have a great marriage, but we've had some spirited conversations in those 36 years of marriage, and it makes us stronger. And I always tell them, I said, make sure that, that if you are in a disagreement at home, make sure your children don't just see the disagreement. Make sure they see the acts of forgiveness. Let them hear dad asking for forgiveness and mom granting it. Let them see Mom is asking for forgiveness and dad is granting it. Let them see the reconciliation process and let them know how that happens. You see, forgiveness is one of those greatest gifts that we can give because the goal in all of this of how to be a godly dad is to have a healthy home and to be men whose hearts are after the heart of God.